Well, good morning again. And uh, just so I can address the big elephant in the room, or more precisely, the big wooden wall behind me, the, uh, we are gifted uh, and we are blessed with a handful of people that have been given by God more uh, talent than I can even imagine in my one pinky to be able to put together stuff. And they uh, redesigned our stage, and this is a, not one of these things that's going to come down easily. Uh, but it's a permanent fixture to kind of help bring some solidity and, and uh, fullness to the, to the worship center here. Uh, and so um, just they just went to town this week, countless hours this week. And so uh, it, we are just eternally grateful for the, the work and the service that, that people give to the church here. So, uh, so just so you know, it, I didn't, oh, there you go. I had zero to do with it. Uh, I wish I could tell you that I could do the things these guys do, but I, I can't. So, uh, but I'm grateful that we have guys that can. So uh, very grateful for our campus care team and the way and they gave leadership to this and got taken care of. So appreciate that. They're not here. Many of them aren't here today because they're doing other things because they're exhausted. Uh, no, truthfully, they're just kind of doing some other things around the community. So, but if you see those guys, uh, you want to make sure you let them know how grateful. Uh, what a great addition it is to our worship center, so it's a good deal. Well, a couple weeks ago, uh, we started this series, we're looking at life of Jesus, and we're trying to go through the book of Mark together, and a few weeks ago, we looked at how Jesus had called Matthew, or Levi, to be his disciple, and how, he, how Jesus was uh, willing to have uh, lunch or dinner with these sinners, these scum of the earth people, how he noticed them, and how worth they were, uh, and he invited them to follow after Jesus. And last week, Pastor Jason spoke on the aspect of inner rightness rather than the external uh, human traditions, but have an inner uh, heart that's, that's being transformed into the image of Jesus and the need that we have for that. If you haven't had an opportunity to kind of catch up on the various sermons that are going on in the church, I recommend go to our uh, really newly defined and, and redesigned website, limacrossroads.org. You can find on there on the media tab and you can stream all the messages and get yourself caught up in what's going on. Uh, I highly recommend those because they're really a good aspect of what it looks like in the life of Jesus and how we can follow him well. And so, uh, so it's good for us to be going. Well, this morning as we reflected on Mark chapter 8, the, this part of the Jesus' story, we're looking at what does Jesus actually call people into when he calls them to be his follower? What does it look like to follow after the ways of Jesus? In particular, in this passage itself, Jesus tells his disciples or the followers and even the crowd around him, and he invites the crowd to join in with the disciples, and he describes what it's going to look like to be a follower of Jesus. Before our passage, right before it, uh, Jesus is kind of with his small group of disciples, and he's kind of getting the word on the street. He says, what, what's, what's the word out there, guys? What's happening? What are people saying about me? And there's all sorts of different opinions, different kind of things being talked about. And then he turns the corner, and he asks, okay, well, that's good about those guys, but what about you guys? Who do you guys say that I am? And Peter, in a moment of clarity, says, well, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. And Jesus affirms him. He says, you're right, Peter. This is great. Way to go. Good job. And then we get into our passage, and Jesus then begins to describe what this Christ, the Messiah, is actually going to do and what it looks like to be one of his followers, to follow in the footsteps of the, the Messiah, the, the Christ. And it doesn't really sit well with Peter. 
kind of just doesn't really jive well with the idea of Peter's Messiah. The Messiah in Peter's mind was going to be this champion, the, the victory one, the one who's going to win, who's going to kick Rome out, of, and he's going to be able to learn to live and to have this kingdom reigning, and it's going to be wonderful and glorious. And Jesus is talking about suffering and dying, and this is not a good road. And Peter doesn't like this. And things are just beginning to take off in Peter's mind. Jesus is beginning to be more notarized. The, the, the reputation around Jesus is getting out there. The word is starting to get out. Things are starting to hum along. And then Jesus begins to talk about suffering and dying and laying your life down. Willingly giving it up. Self-denial, Jesus says. And it's at the very beginning. And there's all this excitement in Peter and then it just doesn't compute well. And at the very heart of it, Jesus moves away from all the hype and all the showmanship and all the stuff around. Jesus moves away from that and he invites them to a new kind of life, a different kind of way than just self-focused. He leads them and draws them and invites them to a way of self-denial, of death to self, as the scriptures say in other parts. Diedrich Bonhoeffer in his fantastic book, the cost of discipleship describes this kind of understanding of self-denial as it relates to following Jesus. And he says it this way. The cross is not the terrible end of an otherwise God-fearing and happy life. But it meets us at the beginning of our communion with Christ. And when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Well, that's pretty. Put some flowers on that and put it on your refrigerator. Look at that every day. Make a t-shirt out of that one. See what happens. See how well that sells. Put simply, the invitation in Jesus in this passage, and what I, I think Bonhoeffer is getting at as well, but the invitation to apprenticeship is the invitation to a life that's not about me. It's an invitation to a life where I find life's fulfillment and life's purpose when I realize that it's not surrounded about me. It's about Christ. It's about God. It's about learning to give and to willingly self-sacrifice for God's sake. And once again, you see the upside-down nature of the kingdom of God. And Jesus perfectly models this for us. A life with what is, in it, what is in it for me, but a life that is increasingly consumed with how can I give my life away for the glory of God. So I wonder if this morning, if you've ever thought of God as being self-sacrificing. If what comes to your mind, you think about God, among other things. If what comes to your mind is that God is utterly self-sacrificing. Because the Christian story reveals God as the one who willingly emptied himself. Who came to us out of his perfect, holy awesome love he self-sacrifices for his most beloved creation in the incarnation jesus willingly takes on human flesh and throughout all of his ministry he's not looking for his own glory or to make his name great or to be all about the hype and the show but through all of his ministry in his life he is to display the glory of god and in this passage, he's pointing to his death and the suffering and the resurrection. All is evidence that this God that we serve and we understand of in the scriptures is one of self-sacrifice, not of one of self 
self-serving or self-absorption, but one who willingly lays his life down. Think about it. Everything that we have has been given to us as a gift. Our life, the air we breathe, the forgiveness that is ours because of Christ, all of these are complete acts of grace. We didn't do anything to deserve them. They are just simply God's gift out of his willingness to give them to us, to give of himself for us. And what I want us to hear this morning, what I want us to zero in on this passage this morning as we see Jesus, is we see a person who is utterly self-sacrificing for those whom he loves. Though he has all the power and all the authority and everything is his and he has control over everything that we can see and all things we cannot see, the way of the kingdom is one that is not self-seeking, but the way of the kingdom is the way of self-sacrificing, of self-denial, where it's not about me and about what I can get out of it and about zeroing in on just about my life, but it is about willingly self-sacrificing, denying myself for the glory of God. And so friends, this is what Jesus is demonstrating to us. He's demonstrating that the way of the kingdom is a way that operates through the willing self-sacrifice of God. Everything that God has done is a way to give of himself. I wonder if that's how you see God. If that is part of the picture that you get in your mind when you see God. The one who willingly self-sacrifices. In the core of his essence is someone who willingly gives not for, not for glory, but for others. And what we see in Jesus is modeling this self-sacrifice. And if we are to learn to live our life at home in the kingdom of God, where we understand his ways, then we are to become people who increasingly self-sacrifice. We are to become people, God's people, who willingly are, are less consumed about us and about what's in it for me. And what can I get out of this? And keeping it all for ourselves. And we are more concerned and we are more consumed with how might I live my life and give it away for the glory of God. Because that is what Jesus does. And that is what he does in this passage. And that is what he invites us to. And that is the core of what it means to follow Jesus. Self-denial is at the beginning of apprenticeship to Jesus. Self-denial is at the beginning of apprenticeship to Jesus. Self-denial reminds us that our life is not our own. That when we come to faith in Jesus, our life belongs to God and no longer belongs to us. And we willingly let go of the need to control everything. And we turn these things over to the leadership and the lordship of Jesus. And our our life's meaning and purpose will really never be found try to gain everything and so self-absorbed about ourselves, being so concerned about us all the time. But it's only when we learn the gift of being able to self-deny and self-sacrifice and willingly give our life away to the glory of God that we will actually find meaning and purpose and joy in our life. I can't say it any more simple than this. Your life, My life is not about us. It's about God. 
And the sooner and the easier we get our mind wrapped around that, we will be able to experience the life that God has come to give us. Because as long as we believe that our life is primarily about us, then we'll do anything we possibly can to maintain power and control and manipulation and keep things for ourselves. We will push people away. Relationships will be damaged. And we'll put a barrier between us and God. But Jesus rarely exercised power over people. And his greatest desire was not to be well-known or well-liked or to give in to all the all the this reputation on going on around him. But his greatest desire was to make God known and to willingly give his life for God's glory. It wasn't about him. It was about God the Father. Listen to how Jesus describes in John chapter 5. He says this, Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Jesus is not so concerned about just what he wants, but he's more concerned about what God the Father does. So whatever he is doing is what God the Father is doing. So he's more concerned about giving glory and honor to God the Father. And just before his his betrayal and being led off to trial and execution, just before that, Jesus is in in the garden and praying, by himself praying, and this is what he prays in Matthew chapter 26. That he went away for a second time and prayed, praise my father, if it is not possible for this to be taken away from me unless I drink it, may your will be done. And in teaching us to pray, earlier in Matthew, Jesus says, when you want to pray and understand how to pray, you pray, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The way of Jesus is self-denial. Not seeking your glory, your hype, but seeking his glory, his hype. Living for the glory of God. And for those of us who would follow after Jesus, for those of us who want to be called one of his disciples, his apprentices, we have to willingly and daily push against the temptation to think about that this world and your life is all about you. And we need to recognize life finds its meaning and its purpose when we live not for ourselves, but when we live for the glory of God. And we learn this well. We see this kind of apprenticeship all throughout the scriptures and all throughout history. There's people we can point to that see they get it. One of my absolute all-time favorite examples is John the Baptist. And in the earlier part of his ministry, he's got all these followers around him and they're hearing him teach and they're going out to him to be baptized and things are looking really good. And he's got this following, he's telling people about God and about life with God. And then Jesus comes along and people begin to be enthralled with this new teacher and how he spoke with authority and the ways in which he invited them to life with God. And all, every, every part of John's disciples started trickling away and started following after Jesus. And some of his disciples got, got John around and said, John, what's going on? Everyone's following that guy over there. And in one of the most brilliant, perfect responses anyone could ever have, John says in John chapter 3, verse 30, he says, listen, guys, you got it all wrong. This is my translation for a second. He says, listen, guys, you got it all wrong. That guy over there, that Jesus guy, he's it. He must become greater and greater, and I've got to become less and less. It's not about me. And John found the abundance 
and the joy and the fullness of life when he learned to live his life, not for his sake, but for Jesus' sake, where he becomes greater and greater, and I become less and less. And this is something we need to get right. Because when we follow Jesus, it's simply not about you. Life in the kingdom is learning to live a life that is contrary. I think Heath said this earlier. It's contrary to just the push of everything else where it's about us. And learning to live life in the kingdom of God is learning to live life in a more self-sacrificing way. But just to be clear, just because I know that there are thought bubbles going on all over the place when you talk about these kind of things, just to be clear, the way of self-sacrifice is not a way of, of just kind of bringing on suffering on yourself and just enjoying it, suffering for suffering. God is really not interested in calling a bunch of people to be you know, perpetual eors, where you just walk around with a rain cloud over your head going, well, so I got to just keep going here. It's just what I got to do. It's not looking at that. The life of Jesus, the focus of the passage is not to suffer for suffering's sake, but to suffer or to deny or to give up our life for God's sake. He says, whoever loses their life for my sake will find it, will save it. So the call to deny ourselves is really a call to redefine our identity. To whom do I belong? And the person who is offered who's often defined by their, their surroundings, by their family or by their career or by their choices or by their neighborhood or by their accumulation of things. And Jesus redefines our identity as belonging to him. And he defines who we are, not by our family or our upbringing or where we live or how much stuff we have or all these other, where our job is and all those things, our reputation. But he redefines it in a way in which we belong to him. And rather than our power, and our prestige, and our name being great, we learn to be identified with him where he becomes greater and we become less. Where our life is hidden in Christ and it is about him. Our desire is more to glorify God in all that we do. This is what I believe the Apostle Paul meant when he wrote in Galatians chapter 2. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, to follow Jesus is to practically and daily say he must become greater and greater. And it's about him, not about me. This is so wonderfully pictured and depicted in the rite of baptism. If you've ever seen a baptism, and short little plug here, our next baptism is going to be the end of the summer, August 27th. We'll do one big service together out of Ottawa Metro, and we'll have some, a time to baptize people who have made a public, or ready to make a public declaration of their allegiance to be identified as a follower of Jesus. And this rite of, of baptism wonderfully depicts the desire to have not my life be consumed about me, but to be about consumed about Jesus. And so people come to the baptismal waters and they come into the waters and they're dropped below the water to signify their death to their old ways. And they are brought back up out of the water to signify new life, that their not old life is gone and that a new life has come and that they can follow in the ways of Jesus, and they would be completely consumed and identified with Jesus. 
And following Jesus means this. It means denying myself and picking up my cross and following him for his name's sake. This is the paradox that we see in the scriptures and the way of Jesus. Because when we live for our glory, when we live for our stuff, when we live to make our name great, well, our reward will be temporal. It will be earthbound. And we will always find ourselves struggling to make it to the next, pa- next pinnacle or the next thing out there. But when we find ourselves willingly able to give up our life for the sake of Christ, for God's glory, and we learn the way of self-denial, then we will begin to actually experience life that's rich and full of meaning and purpose and joy. It's in this holding on to our life that we lose it, but letting it go that we find it, that we find it. I hope we get this. As a church, I really hope that we get this. My prayer for you and for me and for us is that we would begin to let go of living for our glory. And we would continue in increasingly ways to follow and trust the way of self-denial, the way of self-sacrifice. Because ultimately, it's not about you. And ultimately, it's not about me. It's not about crossroads. It's about Jesus. It's about his name being great. And Jesus demonstrates this life of a self-sacrifice, willingly laying himself down so we can learn this way of self-denial. But what does that mean practically? How do we do this in a day-by-day aspect? How can we learn to grow in this way? Well, I think it's going to mean different things for each of us. And so while I don't want to just give you two quick things that just run and everyone does that, I think it's going to look different for each of us. But I think it's going to start by us understanding that a way of having abundant real life is when I realize it's not centered around me all the time. And we can learn to use our gifts and our abilities, our resources, our time for God's glory and not our own. That we can learn to give them away. But, just to kind of get our minds thinking a little bit, while I know it's going to look a little different for each of us, to kind of get our minds thinking a little bit, I have a few suggestions. The first one, is that you'd release the need to have your way all the time and to willingly submit your will to another person. A few years ago, my family uh, and I went to Disneyland for my parents' 40th wedding anniversary. Their gift to themselves for their wedding anniversary was to get their kids and all the grandkids to go down to Disneyland and spend a few days down there. Uh, And we absolutely had a blast. My kids had never been to Disneyland uh, up until that point, and so we just had a great time walking and seeing all the various riding, all these things. But you know, it's it's kind of difficult to get eleven people to agree on riding the same ride or eating at the same place to eat. I mean, ask eleven people for their opinion, and at least in our experience, you're going to get about fifteen opinions, right? And it happens. And it's just really difficult. But for some reason, on this trip, we had an absolute blast with it. Because at every or at each moment, somebody willingly submitted their will to other people. At some point, each one of the 11 of us, even for just a small time, each one of us recognized that we were here for Grandma and Grandpa's 40th anniversary, and it's not about us. 
And each of us stood in line in roads and rides that we really didn't really want to ride. Or we ate in places that we really didn't want to eat in because it really wasn't about us at that time. And all 11 of us found joy. Great experiences. And we laugh about those. We look at some of those pictures and think about all those things because we willingly, even for a short period of time, good for our soul to willingly submit to the will of someone else. Think about it. Just this week, just submit your will to someone else. Let them choose where you're going to eat, what movie you're going to watch, who goes first, something along the lines. Just willingly submit and remind yourself in even small steps that it's just not about you. It's just not about you. Well, a second suggestion is way we might learn the way of self-sacrifice or self-denial is to admit when you're wrong and to ask for forgiveness. To admit when you're wrong and ask for forgiveness. For some of us, admitting when you're wrong may seem like the absolute worst thing you can do. The hardest thing in the world to do. So we hold on to our reputation. We hold on to our pride. But in the way of self-sacrifice or self-denial would lead us to be more ready to admit our mistakes and to ask for forgiveness from someone and to offer them grace when forgiveness is asked for, to let go of a grudge that you've been holding on to. And perhaps there's someone for whom you really just need to ask forgiveness. You need to let go of pride and of arrogance and your reputation, and you need to realize that the relationship is not about you, and you need to go to them humbly, and you need to admit your fault, and you need to ask for forgiveness. But there also may be someone whom you're holding a grudge over, and you're holding them in a virtual prison, and perhaps a step of self-sacrifice or self-denial is for you to realize that it really isn't about you, and you need to let go of the grudge. You need to replace the grudge with grace. And you need to offer it freely and abundantly and continually. And we need to learn from Jesus. Well, one third or third and final suggestion for you this morning. One of the more difficult things for us to do as followers of Jesus is to understand that the gifts that we've been given, the money, the resources, the things that we've been given, they all belong to God, and they'll be used for his own glory. I know this from my own experience, that when we miss this, when I begin to think that our resources or my resources are primarily for me, well, no matter how much I have, it'll never be enough. And I'll slowly have an envy or have envy creeping into my heart. And covetousness will be close by. And if I'm not careful, then I will to the temptation to think that it's all about me. And that hinders my ability to love people well and to love God well. But when we get this right, when we see that our finances, our resources, our stuff have been given to us to steward well for God's glory, well, then it frees me up to enjoy the gift of contentment. And I can enjoy being able to see God's work being done. So what does it look like for you? 
What does it look like for you to begin to follow in the ways of Jesus and the the ways of a self-sacrificing God? And how might Jesus be calling you to respond to this calling of an apprenticeship to him? To learn from him the way of self-denial and self-sacrifice. What way this week or shortly after can you submit your will to someone else? In what way do you need to admit a mistake or to offer grace to someone you're holding a grudge over? And in what way can you grow and increase to use of your resources and stuff and money for God's glory and increasingly be more generous and more giving? To realize it's not about me. May we learn to follow in the ways of a self-sacrificing God. And may we experience the richness and the joy and the abundance of life that comes that way. As a way to end the service or the sermon part, I'm going to read our passage one final time. And what is God telling you? How is he asking you to respond to his calling of apprenticeship or discipleship to Jesus? What does this self-sacrifice really look like for you? So Mark chapter 8. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then he called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Let's pray. Jesus, we are grateful that you are the self-sacrificing one, that you have come to give yourself for us. Father, we ask that you would give us the courage to walk in your ways, to learn from you, that we might enjoy life, that we might experience it to the full. It's in your name we pray. Amen. As our closing prayer, I'm going to use a prayer from Teresa of Avila. So let's pray together as we close. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. Yours are the only hands with which he can do his work. Yours are the only feet with which he can go about the world. Yours are the only eyes through which his compassion can shine forth upon a troubled world. On earth but yours. So Father, I pray that you would give us the courage to walk the road of self-denial where it's not about us. Father, may you become greater and greater in our place. 
May we become less and less for your name's sake. Amen. Thanks for coming this morning. Hope to see you this afternoon at the community gatherings and have a great day.